Well, welcome to Ryan's Church. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're a guest with us, we want to welcome you. One of the things our pastor says is try us out three times if you're a guest. You never know what we might be off one weekend. He is off this week. Uh, I don't think that was what he was talking about, but uh, he is uh, going to be back with us next week to start a brand new series. And so I, I am blessed to be able to close out our Real Family series. In week one, Pastor Aaron talked about the five needs of real families. We've been talking about that tension between what we see on social media with the reels and what is real. He shared five needs of a real family, and then the next week he shared five needs of a real man. And then last week we were blessed on Mother's Day to have Erica with us, Erica Grijalva with us to share five needs of a real woman. So I'm going to be closing out today uh, for this series with five needs of a real kid. And again, I kind of hear already the tension is like some people here are like, well, uh, they have kids, so they're like, okay, good, that's great. Some are like, well, I have kids, but they're grown, and, uh, but this still applies to you. Uh, maybe you don't have kids, and you never had kids. Um, you are a kid here. This is for you, all right? If you are a kid here, that means student, uh, child, this is for you. Uh, maybe you're here, and you have no kids, and you know, you, maybe you mentor a kid, you, you teach a kid, you're an aunt or uncle for a kid, this is for you. Maybe you hear all those categories, and you're like, not only do I not have kids, I don't want to ever have kids, ain't nobody ever going to have kids with me. This is still for you because at one point, you were a kid. So that qualifies now everybody, everybody say, this is for me. Because you're in one of those categories there somewhere. And so I, I always feel a little tension when I talk about like kids and parenting because I feel like I'm kind of like the actor or actress that gets typecast, like that they just play the same roles over and over and over again. I feel like, like not just between Pastor Aaron and myself, it's like I, I just preach the same message over and over. Like why am I being typecast to talk about parenting? Uh, this happened not only here at Rise, but at my previous church uh, that Pastor Aaron was, uh, we were both on the executive team there. It's like always, every time I'm up there, you know, four times a year, it's the same message. Just re, re I'm like, I'm being typecast here. And I'm a little confused why I'm being typecast because, you know, before I had kids, I thought I was a great parent. But once I had kids, I realized I wasn't. So I'm not being typecast because I'm the best at this. I still haven't figured out why I'm being typecast, because kids will challenge you. They really do challenge what you think you know. And uh, I remember one time uh, we were going through kind of a, a it seemed like we were in a, a season of life at our house where everybody was breaking every device in our house. Like every screen was cracked, everything was scratched, nothing was kept in its case, it was all broken, and I'm paying for all of these things to be fixed. And this was like before there's like a shop on every corner fixing, you know, screens. So you had to drive across town. We didn't have one in our town. I got to drive 30 minutes to go take this to the, and get it fixed. And so I'm like, let my kids have it. And uh, if you've seen me preach or, you know, you know me, like, you'll, you see I'm doing it right now. I, I talk with my hands, you know, uh, my mom's whole side of her family is Italian, so we talk with our hands, right? And so I'm very passionately talking with my hands. And so I had an iPad that was like older than theirs and like still in pristine condition. And I was taking it, and I'm going to be very careful here, and I was just shaking it at them. 
right? And I'm telling them about taking care of technology. And so I'm going to put this down because I don't want to have a repeat. But as I'm shaking it at them and I'm telling them and I'm Italian hands in them, all of a sudden, I don't know how this happened. It flew out of my hand. And like, we went into like bullet time, you know, like, oh, it's, the, it's like everything slowed down. And the thing starts flying through the air as I'm telling them to take care of their stuff. <laughs> I'm really getting onto them, and it just like, oh, I'm like trying to reach out to grab it. I can't, not that fast. And it lands face down on the kitchen floor and shatters the whole screen. Not just like, it didn't just crack. I mean like every part of the screen shattered and I just started laughing and realized like I don't know anything about kids. <laughs> uh, these past weeks we've been reading from uh, Ephesians 5, but as we continue on in Ephesians 6, we see a few things here. Paul's addressing families and children here. He says in, in, in 6 verse 1, Children, obey your parents and the Lord. This is every parent's favorite verse. Come on. Where are my parents at? He says, verse 2, honor your father and mother. This is their second favorite. Yes. Which is the first commandment with the promise? What's the promise? So that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. Man, that's a great promise for our kids. We teach this to the children because we're like, how many want to have a good life? How many want to have a long life? Then it says, fathers, and I think it's really just talking about parents here, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training instruction of the Lord. So don't make them angry, but bring them up in the training instruction of the Lord. So what are the five things that we can do? And again, these lists aren't exhaustive. Five things every real kid needs. I'm going to share with you today. Number one, they need real models, not just role models. Role models are people in the society they can look up to, but real models are people who are living it out as an example. Jesus said this in John 13, 15. He says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. One of my great mentors in ministry is always says this. He says, make a list of everything you want your kids to be and start being that. If we want our kids to be mentally healthy, come on, we got to lead the way. Yeah, yeah. I, I talked to too many parents who said, you know, I, I, over the years, like, hey, I'm going to bring my kids to church, and hopefully they'll get something, but it's too late for me. No, no, that doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. We need, they need someone to model forgiveness, to model grace, to model second chances, to model speaking life, to model believing the best, to model loving others, to, to model generosity, to model what it means to honor. And what I love about this is it isn't just about me and what I do. It's about people who I put in their lives. That's what I love about our church and those who work with our next generation of, of kids. You know, we got people who are back there and kids right now. They're not just babysitting the kids. They are being real models of how to love God, right? Yeah, They're influencing the kids. I love uh, all of our team that's back there doing that. I love that in our, our youth ministry, why this is important is we have people Right here, uh, Olinda, right here, uh, Antonio's back there. Like, they are pouring and investing into our young people. They are being a real model to them. 
For those who are reaching our young adults, man, I know Tim's around here somewhere. He's, he has a group of young adults at his house just reaching them. I, I affirm that because what they're doing is they're being another voice, a real model in those kids' lives. Yep. And, and I always find this interesting. So my kids will come to me and they'll be like, at our, at our last church, I, I'm a, a person that I have this kind of a group of sayings that I say all the time. And I would repeat these sayings and the staff who worked for me would repeat these sayings. And I remember one of my oldest daughter came to me and she's like, hey, Pastor Jacob said... And then she quoted what I always say. I'm like, no, he didn't say that. Like, he literally, I said it so much, he made a t-shirt of it and put my face on it. And she's saying he said it. Dad, if it's everyone else, it's not everyone else. I'm like, no, no, no. I said that. I, he didn't say that. I said that. That's my saying. But it, instead of saying that, I said, well, that's a great thing. That's very wise. I'm glad you're finally getting it. I'm just glad that there's someone there. And hey, if you want to be a part of any of our teams that are investing into uh, young people here at our church, I encourage you. Or if you just want to get involved with serving here, uh, check out Next Steps. We have our Next Steps class coming up this Saturday. I would encourage you to take a step to be investing into someone else's life. We have that. Uh, you can go out there at the info center right after service, get signed up for that. What I love about this is there's just people allying together to be a model for our next generation, for our spiritual family. So they need real models. Number two, they need direction, not just discipline. One of the favorite verses that's taught when it comes to our children and discipline is Proverbs 22.6. And it says, start off, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they're old, they will not turn from it. We like, like that verse. It's a parenting life verse. The NLT says it this way. It says, direct your children onto the right path. Direct them. Just point your children in the right way is what the message says. And when they're old, they won't be lost. You see, see this, this idea here. And, and, and this word means to narrow the options. That we're not just called to discipline our kids. We're called to direct them in the path they're supposed to go. And a lot of that ties back to the modeling. But the idea of raising children isn't just to discipline them to get the right behavior. It's to direct them in the right direction. That when I think about raising my kids, my, the idea is, is like, I don't want them to just listen to me. Because guess what? There's going to be a time when I'm not there to tell them what the right and wrong thing is. But if I teach them, direct them on the right path on how to listen to God and obey his voice and his word, they won't be lost. They'll find their way. And so what I realize in this moment is like often... I go into the idea of directing my kids, and they direct me to trust God. They remind me of trusting God. So they need real models. They need direction. And number three, they need honor, not just obedience. Honor, not just obedience. Going back to those verses here, it's in, in, in verse one, it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And the verse two says, honor your father and mother. What is the difference between those two things? There is a difference. And I like, to do, I like to illustrate this way. So when I was a kid, 
I was the oldest of nine kids. We had lots of chores and things we did around the house. And if my parents said, hey, Jason, take out the trash. If I go get the trash and take it out, that's obedience. I did what they asked me to do. That's good. But if I go and take out the trash and the whole time I'm like, why do I got to do that? All the rest of my siblings are lazy. Oh, you think I'm your slave. Oh, I can't believe I have to do this. I have to pause Tecmo Bowl. I was winning. I don't know if I'll win when I come back. I've obeyed, but I haven't honored. Because honor is what's on the inside. And I get, let me go back to, I said this is a message for all of us, is we all have to be careful that we don't just do the right behavior with the wrong heart. To honor is to do it with the right heart. And here's what I've realized. It's like in our society today, we've lost the idea of what the ancient Hebrews had of an understanding, and there's still cultures today that have this, the idea of an honor-shame culture. That the opposite of honor is shame. So the idea here was, is if I'm not honorable, I'm bringing shame upon my family and myself. If I don't value and esteem the relationship, I bring dishonor, which is shame, upon myself. And that's not cool today. I get it. We're supposed to be suspicious of everybody. We're supposed to tear down everybody. Like, we like that as Americans. Like, this is how we got here. We revolted. And we're still revolting. And if we're not careful, and we've talked about this in the marriage and everything else, like, this, this is, here's what we want. We want to dishonor everybody in our lives who's an authority and then expect our kids to somehow not do that. Like, we can dishonor the pastor, but we want our kids to honor us. We can dishonor, I know I'm about to say something to make people mad. We can dishonor the president and the government with our words and how we act and say things that we would never say in church. But we want our kids to honor us. We can talk bad about the principal and the teacher at the school and the neighbors, but we want our kids to speak life and honor about us. So we want to sow dishonor, and we expect to reap honor. That's not how God works. That's not how the world works. So we have to be careful. We have to be making sure that we are, if we're not just fighting for the right behavior, we're fighting for the right heart. And that goes back to modeling and ties back to all those things we're talking about here. All of us can hear this. So they need real models. They need direction. They need honor. Number four, they need this. They need to be well-grounded, not just well-rounded. Again, I'm going to attack another idol of our culture. We kind of get this idea that today kids have to just be masters of everything. 
Like they got to be good at the sports because you know they have a 0.02% chance of becoming a professional athlete. But my kid, they're going to be the one. I got to get them in all the sports. I got to get them in all the, they got to get good grades too. They got to they gotta understand music too. They have to be proficient in the arts also. Hey, they got to have video games because that's what all kids do today. They might be a professional video gamer. They, they have to know all the, the culture and the movies and the books and the TV. They, gotta, they, have it, they have to have it all. And the problem with that is it comes up short. Joshua 1.8 talks about this. As Joshua's speaking to the people, he's leading the people, he says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. We want our kids to be prosperous and successful, but we want it based on our own definition of what that is. We want what the world says about that versus what the word says about that. We want what society tells us rather than what Christ tells us. We would rather be centered in the world and well-rounded. It's a myth rather than Christ-centered. We have to be careful. And it's just, you know, we have a lot of resources on our site. Even during this series, I love that we have the real family resources out there, the just different things that we can do with our family. And, and I think about one of the suggestions for a book is like this scene book. If you have teenagers, this is a great book, Healing Despair and Anxiety in Kids and Teens Through the Power of Connection. Great book. I've read it twice. I still need to read it another time or three times or something. Uh, but it's a great book. We have resources like that that we have suggestions. Anybody have a teenager and need this book right now? I'm about to try to give this away. Y'all come on up here. You can have that. Come on up here. This is a great book. I would I suggest it to any parent of teenager today. Despair, anxiety on the on the rise. You know, finding a Bible that works. I, I love, you know, like with my young kids, they have the Bible app for kids that's out there and has all the thing and you can see all the stars my son has unlocked by doing all the stories and he's unlocked all the the characters and all the things that you can do in there it's a great free resource hey one of the things we give away for our parents who are dedicating their children is the Jesus Storybook Bible. Just finished, went through this with my seven-year-old son, and he loves just walking through the different stories. I would suggest you get that. If you, if you haven't dedicated your kid here, I'd say go get that uh, for you. It's a great, just always ties every story in the Bible that's in here back to the redemptive work of Christ. They, they do a great job. Of, and, and, and then now we've moved on with my son. Uh, we're using the Action Bible now. This is one of my favorites because it looks like a comic book and it takes and breaks down the stories there. And he always wants to know. And he's like, Dad, can we do two stories tonight? Can we do three stories tonight? He wants to see that. I'm actually going to give this away. This is like a $22 Bible. I'm gonna, man, I saw that hand right there. Come on. Come on. He didn't even wait. Come on. There you go. Here's what we believe in resource, and we have, uh, make sure you pick up your family kit if you haven't done that before service, or if you forgot to register, it doesn't matter. We have some extras back there. Get your family kit. We have some ways to pray over our kids, uh, some ideas, and, 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 and I just, I just want to, again, point back to modeling when it comes to this, mom and dad, that if you want your kids to love God's word, first of all, you're surrounding them with people who love God's word. We have that in our kids and youth ministry. But you got to love it. Yeah. I remember I was sitting in a, a round table of pastors from around the, 
the globe. And they were saying, what can we do to make sure our kids and teenagers love the Bible? And everybody had these like, creative ideas, like, what if we created a time machine? And like the Bible characters came out, and it was like a real cool skit, and like we involved them in it, and we told like stories like this. And I'm like, that's all good and fine and dandy. But at the end of the day, if the people who are influencing them don't love the Bible, they won't love the Bible. Right. Have you ever met somebody and they like were just so passionate about a topic that you just were like, I'm curious. Yeah. I thought that was boring. But man, the way you talk about it, it comes alive. Having that time for ourselves in God's word is, it's viral. It's contagious. We all get that right now, right? After the last two years, we get that. Come on, we understand that. Love for the Bible is contagious. Loving God in his word is contagious. So we need real models. We need direction. We, we need honor. We need to be well-grounded and last. I'm going to attack one more idol of our culture. Is we need to make sure that we have the good news and not just the good behavior. You know, there's a new world religion. It's the top religion in America. We think it's Christianity. It's not. It even calls itself Christianity. It's not. And the new religion of our world is this. Moralistic, therapeutic deism. Moralistic, therapeutic deism. So deism means they believe there's a God. Moral means be good. Therapeutic means feel good about it. We get this idea that if we could just get our kids to be good, everything will be good. Yeah. And the, this religion, it's very sneaky. Because if we're not careful, this is the, 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 the gospel that we preach, the be good gospel. Yeah. Versus the good news from the Bible, which is something totally different. And so here's what this religion kind of believes. Let's see if we might find ourselves there. I know I do. There is a God. Okay, we all believe that. He started all of this, and he just kind of watches over us. He's like the big guy upstairs. He wants us all to be good and nice. Everybody be good. Everybody be nice to everybody else, right? That's good. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. It's good. In fact, it's good. It's moral. It's moralistic. And the central goal of life is to be happy and feel good about yourself. And God, he doesn't really need a role in your life. He doesn't want to have any say. He doesn't want to bother you. And if you're good enough, when you die, you'll go to heaven. It's the American religion. Some of y'all are here are like, I could see like there's a tension. They're like, yeah, I believe that. It doesn't align with, that's fine, but that's a made-up religion. That's fine, but that is a manufactured religion from the garden. If you remember what happened in the Garden of Eden, it says Adam and Eve took the fruit. What fruit did they took? The knowledge of good and evil. And we can look at that sometimes and be like, why is that wrong? They, took, they knew what was good and they knew what was bad. No, 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 no. They got to now define whatever they want to be good and bad based on however they feel about it. Does that sound a little bit more like a, a Western religion that we have today? 
Like, I will define good and evil on my own terms. Don't you tell me what's good. Don't you tell me what's... I'm living my truth. And here's the problem, is the gospel from the Bible is not the be good news. It's the good news. Jesus actually has a guy come to him, and the, the guy says, good teacher, good rabbi, what must we do to inherit eternal life? And in Luke 18, 9, you get his response. <laughs> Jesus says, why do you call me good? See, Jesus suspected something. He suspected that this guy was still eating of the fruit of the garden, defining good and evil based on his own. He says, Jesus asked him, why do you call me good? He said, only God is truly good. Why do bad things happen to good people? Only God is truly good. In the red, Jesus. In Ephesians 2, 9, Paul says this. He says, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. In other words, he's tearing down moralistic therapeutic deism. He says, none of us can boast about it. And in Romans one, it really describes what the good news is. He says, for I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. He says, it is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, not everyone who behaves. Everyone who believes, not everyone who behaves. Now, if we believe, we will behave. We know that. It changed our behavior, but it's first the belief. He says, the Jew first, also the Gentile. He says, this good news tells us how. God makes us right in his sight. In other words, you're made good. You're not just trying to be good to get good. He says, this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. In other words, you bring nothing to the process but faith. Believing. As the scripture say, it is through faith that a, a righteous person has life. He says, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. If we believe what Jesus says, that none are good, only he is good, that we can't be good enough, we have to live understanding that only he is good. And as we look through those five things, as we need real models, not just role models, Jesus was a real model for us. We need direction, not just discipline. Jesus gave us a direction and he gave us his Holy Spirit to, to lead and to guide us. We need honor, not just obedience. Jesus isn't just looking for our outward body to follow all the Ten Commandments. He's looking for our heart. He's looking for people who are well-grounded in his word. He says they are life. The words that are found are life, not just well-rounded. And we have to understand the good news, not just good behavior. Yeah. As we close here today, I want to ask you, are you just trying to earn it by being a good, moralistic, therapeutic deist, or are you a truly Christ follower? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give you an opportunity to move over from one religion to another, <laughs> to follow Jesus. Now, I, I know grandma was good. I know grandma taught y'all that. My grandma taught me that, be good. If you're good enough, you go to heaven. And grandma was good, and grandma was sweet, but grandma was wrong. 